Did you know that my favorite position on offense is going to be an actually pretty big part of the Florida Gators offense this year? We're going to talk about it here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Tuesday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports, Giants Country, NFL 33. And now, like I said, my favorite position on offense beside fullback, because, well, Florida doesn't use a fullback, but beside fullback, is tight end. Every Everyone should know that. It's tight ends, then running backs. Those are my favorite. That's why fullback is my favorite. Billy Napier has this, this tag with him, the, the 12 personnel tag, is, and you're going to see two tight ends quite a bit. But last year, those two tight end sets were not the best for this Florida Gators offense. But this year, things are going to be different. They are, and and this team is going to be a lot better from that tight end position. Now, before we get into this first bit, I will say, there's still almost no proven depth in this room, and that is a concern. But I think that if you look at this tight end room and granted, like you'd look at the proven depth and the lack thereof. And I still feel pretty good about this being a tight end room that goes four, even five deep right now. And I have no issues with that. And a lot of that's partially because so much of going into a season with any position or any team is going, what did we see last year? What do we see in the spring? How do we feel about that? And what are the reasonable expectations for development? And based on that, I feel pretty good with this four or five deep. Dante Zanders, I think, is going to be quite improved this year compared to last. He lost even more weight because don't forget, Dante Zanders was someone who, when Billy Napier got hired, Zanders was a defensive lineman. He was an edge rusher. He was, he was on that front. Now he's a tight end. So last year he had lost like 20 pounds. This year he had lost about another 20 pounds. He is going to be way lighter than we've seen. But I feel pretty comfortable going a good amount of that was losing fat and and turning it into muscle. So I feel like him losing that fat and and turning into muscle should help him both in the receiving game as a route runner. He's considerably lighter. He's probably going to be at least a little bit shiftier and a little bit faster. That's not even the biggest benefit for Dante Zanders, I think, though. I think the biggest benefit for Dante Zanders is he has Russ Callaway now as his tight ends coach. I think that's really the key for his development. I've said this before. I have nothing against William Piegler. Coach Piegler was a tight end coach last year for the Florida Gators. Fantastic recruiter. Not much of an X's and O's guy or just not an X's and O's oriented coach. Having Russ Callaway as an X's and O's oriented coach 
as the tight end coach, that's going to drastically improve just the, the top quality and the depth of this position. I think that's something that's being constantly overlooked because you're looking at what's going on with quarterback. What's the defense going to look like? What's the offensive line going to look like? And people just overlook the tight end room. Not, not me, not here, not locked on Gators, baby. We talk about it. And I think Russ Callaway being an addition here is constantly overlooked. It is. And I, I think that because of him, the tight ends are going to be significantly better as pass catchers. Because don't forget, Russ Callaway has also has experience as a receivers coach. He was in the running for receiver coach before Billy Gonzalez got hired. He was in the runner before they decided on Billy Gonzalez. So Russ Callaway is going to help everybody in this room become better at running routes. I will say also, I'm very excited to see Jonathan Odom when he's healthy. I'm hoping to see more of the glimpses that we got of him last season. Last season, we did see some glimpses and they were pretty fun, but we've never seen him stay healthy long enough to put it all together for a full season. Hopefully we get that this year. Because even, even last year when he was healthy, he had missed the huge majority of the spring and a good chunk of summer with a shoulder injury that, I mean, kept him from actually getting any work in with the tight end room consistently. So even when he was healthy during the season, he started later than pretty much everybody for Billy Napier's first season. So it wasn't great for that. Arliss Boardingham is the guy who's thought of as, oh my God, he's the next big Florida Gators pass catching tight end. And that might be true. And I have no doubts about Arliss Boardingham being a successful pass catcher. I realize that the way that I led up to that makes it seem like I'm hesitant to do that. Not at all. What I will say is this is not even me because I know I tend to be like, oh, that's stupid. Not me doing this. I am begging you. Stop comparing Arliss Boardingham to any kind of Kyle Pitts type of tight end. I see it on Twitter. I see it in my comments. Stop doing it. I'm sick and tired of it. And especially now that he's wearing number eight this year, I see people going, he's got that Kyle Pitts eight. Kyle Pitts wore 84 when he was a Gator. He ain't even the same number in a Gator's uniform. Settle down. Arliss Bordeham is also just a different kind of receiver, a different kind of tight end, we'll say. Because you look at Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts is that kind of like that, that Darren Waller type, where it's like, oh, he's very tall, he's long, he's lanky, he wins just with speed, and, and he's just, just a receiver that can play tight end. He can block well enough to justify calling him a tight end. That's not the kind of tight end receiver hybrid Arliss Bordingham is. You're looking at, with Arliss Boardingham, the Travis Kelsey type. You're looking at the, the, the Zach Ertz type when he was still young and spry out of Stanford. You're looking at that kind of tight end. One that you can put in the slot and you can put out wide and you can use him as, as a pass catching tight end, but he's not going to win that same way. And Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, they're both very athletic, but that's not really what they won by. They had the athleticism that helped them, but they won with route running savvy and with just being their their quarterback's best friend. That's the kind of receiver and that's the kind of tight end that I think Arliss Boardingham is going to be. Not Kyle Pitts. No, he's not going to be that, that insanely tall, long. He's not a tree like that. 
You're looking, not even Jordan Reed. You're looking more like a Trey Burton type, which I get it. Trey Burton was not this, this superstar at the University of Florida. But I'll be damned if we're going to disrespect Trey Burton, okay? So you're looking at that, that kind of type if you want to make a Florida comparison there. Also, I'm going to talk about Hayden Hansen here because I, I think that Hayden Hansen, first off, it's important to, to know this if you don't. He's a high school quarterback that transitioned to tight end that was recruited by Napier at, Louis, at uh, Louisiana. And then when Billy Napier came to Florida, they were still like, yeah, we still like, we think this kid's going to be pretty damn good. And so they brought him there as well. I think Hayden has the potential to be what everybody has wanted Jonathan Odom to become, but he hasn't yet done that. And that's not a knock on Odom because we know the biggest issue with him has been that he cannot stay healthy. Whether it's like these, 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 these crappy injuries that just pop up out of nowhere. I think Hayden Hansen's being overlooked. I think he's going to take some time to develop as a route runner, but I think just given his size and ability, I think he's already a pretty good blocker. I think he's one of the better blocking options on this team. And I think you just, you look at his size and it's like, all right, at the very worst, you could be a red zone threat. And that's kind of all we need right now while he still works on the nuances of the game. So I think that when you look at just who's in this room, we feel pretty comfortable with it. Scott Isaacs, too, is a pass catcher I'm pretty comfortable with. You feel pretty comfortable. Tony Livingston, if he gets up to speed this year, that'd be great. He also just joined the team about six months ago. He was part of the 2022 class technically, but just got there. But you feel pretty good about it. And we haven't even talked about how Graham Mertz, the starting quarterback, loves throwing to tight ends, which we're going to talk to. I do have to tell you something first, though. Now is the time to go and take your first swing at betting on the MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. You could bet, say, 20 bucks on Jack Suwinski. If you want to be me, you could bet 20 bucks on Jack Suwinski to hit a home run, which I bet it for the Monday night game. I'm recording this right before that. So you'll find out, you'll know before I do at the time of recording this, if Jack Suwinski made me money. Okay, but if it's your first time with FanDuel, you could put that 20 bucks on him to hit a home run and either he hits a home run and you make money or he doesn't hit the home run and you still get 20 bucks back in bonus bets. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 back in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. FanDuel's an official partner of Major League Baseball. Thanks again for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Please do be sure to like, subscribe, comment, review. Uh, join the Lockdown Gators Discord. The link's in the description below. If you're not yet a supporter of Florida Victorious, one, you should be if you're a Florida Gators fan. And two, if you want to save 20% off of your first month with Florida Victorious, use promo code LOCKED when you sign up, and you will save 20% on your first month. But now it's, 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 it's Grand Merch time which I know nobody's been officially named the starter yet, but pretty much everybody unanimously agrees it's probably going to be Graham Mertz, whether you like it or not. And Graham Mertz has a tendency to throw to the tight ends. Like he's openly said, I, I've really enjoyed when I had guys like Jake Ferguson uh, at Wisconsin, who I believe is a cowboy now, which sucks. 
Um, but he's been like, yeah, I like when I had guys like Jake Ferguson and I could feel comfortable throwing to the tight end a lot. I like to throw it at the tight end. So you look at what he did in 2022 this past year with, I want to say pretty confidently, I think 2022 is the worst year for Graham Mertz's career as far as having tight end talent in the room with him. He's had some pretty good tight ends throughout his career. I think 2022 is the worst year for him so far as far as having pass-catching tight ends. 51 targets still, 32 completions, 369 yards, and three passing touchdowns when targeting tight ends. Okay, so yeah, they're not, you know, world-beating numbers, but I would take 63% to the tight end there, especially when you look at with Wisconsin, there wasn't a ton of we're going to get these guys really open now. It was, hey, we're going to run play action, and you're just going to run deep, even if you're not a super athletic tight end, because, well, that's what they did with their tight ends. It was horrible usage, but that's that's what they did. Then you look at 2021 when he had Jake Ferguson his last year with having Jake Ferguson on his team. 67 targets, 52 catches, 568 yards, and four touchdowns for the tight ends. Graham Mertz had a great time with throwing to tight ends from 2021 and even into 2022. It was something that he continued to try to do consistently, even though team did not really have the talent there that could give him consistent production from that spot. Also, yes, we've talked about it before. He worked in that 1905 offense before the forward pass was allowed, and it was just one of the worst ugliest, most hideous things anybody has ever seen at the tight end position. It was bad. No other way to put it. But Graham Mertz has one of the better tight end rooms that he's ever had. Now, he does. He's never had a tight end as dynamic as Arliss Boardingham. He's never had a tight end that's as dynamic as Arliss Boardingham is. He's never had a team that is actually going to be threatening as both a running offense and passing offense. And granted, the passing attack is not going to be incredible, but it's going to be threatening. You're not going to see, yeah, we're going to go I-form every single play and not even run play action when it's time to do that, when it's time to actually throw the ball. That was still my biggest gripe with Wisconsin. It will continue to be my biggest gripe with Wisconsin's offense from last year. So Graham Mertz, He's in a position to go, I like throwing to tight ends. I have a variety of skill sets available. Because he does. You look at Dante Sanders. Dante Sanders is still kind of raw as a tight end. Yes, he's a veteran, but he's also a DN turned tight end. So he's still learning the position. You look at all this Bordeham. He's a receiver, tight end, power slot hybrid. You look at Hayden. He's still learning the position, but he's going to be a red zone target. High point the ball. He's going to be one of those guys. And then you look at Jonathan Odom, who obviously is not as savvy or as refined, but Jonathan Odom is more of that type where he's a reliable blocker and he's threatening enough as a pass catcher. Like he, he last year, Jonathan Odom, when he was healthy, made some pretty slick plays in the passing game where you weren't fully expecting them, but he also showed a little bit of burst that you didn't see. And it, and it was kind of impressive to watch from him. It, it, it was pretty awesome. And I think we're going to see more of that from him when he gets healthy. Graham Mertz has the options now. 
also, even when he had Jake Ferguson, it was pretty much Jake Ferguson and then bad. This year, you've got SEC athletes, you've got SEC talent, and you've got an offense that is going to be so threatening as a rushing attack that's also going to let you go play action and trick defenses and throw the ball that way. Graham Mertz is in prime spot. You love throwing the tight ends. Welcome to 2023 Florida Gators where you're going to get the opportunity to do that. To wrap up today's show, there's a few other things that go into this, like like just talking about how you're going to be threatening as a rushing attack. You're going to have the play action that's going to open things up for you. It is. But something that Graham Mertz has this year that he also didn't really have at Wisconsin because Wisconsin was, one, bad at recruiting wide receivers, and two, worse at using them. Graham Mertz has speed at receiver this year that you can't really say he's ever had before. Graham Mertz has never had a receiver with the speed of Aiden Mizell. And we saw Aiden Mizell and Graham Mertz in the spring game get to play together. And Graham Mertz was targeting Aiden Mizell deep downfield. It wasn't super successful, but also don't forget Aiden Mizell had only been in college for, you know, what, two months at that point. Still kind of new to, to playing tight end, or to playing receiver here and playing in college football. But even if Aiden Mizell is mostly a decoy in 2023, he's going to be an an impact on this offense. We saw Aiden Mizell get open running a post at least once in the spring game. I still remember that one play. He's he's running a post. He's he's deep down the field, gets thrown the ball. It's it's contested catch, doesn't come down with it. He's got to go to the ground for it, doesn't come down with it. But as long as you're that kind of threat in game, and as long as Graham Mertz is willing to throw that at least occasionally, that's going to open up things underneath. Like as long as Graham Mertz is willing to take the top off at that point and just uncork one to a streaking Aiden Mizell deep downfield, then that's going to force defenses to respect it. There are very few players who could keep up with Aiden Mizell. Andy Jean has also, I mean, I feel like Andy Jean gets a little underrated just speed-wise because of how fast Aiden Mizell is. He's the fastest player on the team. But you're going to have that. You're going to have Caleb Douglas, who's not as fast, but Caleb Douglas is also your stereotypical X receiver who he can get vertical and he can win contested catches, which honestly might be even more threatening than having someone like Aiden Mizell because Caleb Douglas is probably going to be more reliable deep downfield. So so you're looking at having those options vertically. I, I swear during the season... Every week, I do like these keys to winning, and almost always, I go, you have to threaten vertically. It doesn't even have to work, but you have to threaten vertically, and that's what this coaching staff is going to do. They did it last year. They were very boom or bust. That's what they're going to do this year, but they've got better personnel to do it this year. Granted, you don't have Anthony Richardson's arm back there anymore, but you've still got you got better pass catchers as far as stretching the field vertically. You've got Graham Mertz, as long as he's willing to take the deep shot, which we know when given the opportunity to in 2022, Graham Mertz was pretty damn good throwing the deep ball. You've got that. That's going to open up that middle of the field. Not only is it going to open up the middle of the field, it's going to open up just everything in that intermediate range where you can sit and try to play quarters or cover two, 
But if you get those tight ends running up and out, it's going to be hard to cover them because you've got a receiver running deep down the sideline. So that's opening up. You've got the tight end running out wide there. Probably going to be a linebacker out there. And if you've got someone like Arliss Bordingham and you're putting a linebacker on him, bye-bye. It's as simple as that. So I think that when you look at just the surrounding talent here, it's really going to open things up for these tight ends to get open where you might see less receiver production this year than you saw last year. But I think you're going to see a hell of a lot more tight end production this year compared to last year. Also in 2023, I think we're going to see a lot more rotation from the tight end room. Last, And that's going to keep for fresher legs, yes, but also allowing a more versatile skill set in there. Last year, we saw pretty much just Dante Sanders and Keon Zipper. Still going to see a good deal of Dante Sanders this year. Keon Zipper is out for the year. But as far as tight end pass catchers go, it was, I think, the only tight ends to be targeted last year were Dante Sanders, Keon Zipper, or Jonathan Odom. So far, Odom is still recovering from an injury as far as I'm concerned. Keon Zipper is out for the year, and Dante Sanders is back. But I think the staff realizes that last year we messed up not rotating more. Even when the starters were overwhelming, we didn't rotate a ton. And that's an error because, one, again, getting fresh legs in there and varying skill sets. They were not threats last year in the passing game. Keon Zipper made some fantastic plays. You remember the Tennessee game? Chef's kiss. But for the most part, they were not threatened. They were not threatening figures in the passing game. Also, I feel like last year, a big justification for not rotating much in 2022 at the tight end position was not feeling as if the freshmen were up to the task, whether or not they were, just not feeling they were up to the task. You have to feel better about that this year, right? Watch the spring game. And Arliss and Hayden Hanson, I think, both had pretty damn good games. And I think that they've gotten to practice a lot together. And they've kind of been able to work with each other and build off each other. And I feel like that's going to be threatening this year and next. So expect to see more tight end rotation from this Florida Gators roster this year. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free reviews in the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with Brian Smith. Talk more Florida Gators recruiting for Lockdown Gators. I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports, Giants Country, NFL 33. And I will see you all tomorrow.